podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket World Cup Daily Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Scene, who we partnered with to deliver all of our England daily podcasts and videos for the rest of the 2023 World Cup. Starting next week on Wisdom.com, Scene will be powering our new interactive videos, allowing you to easily skip to certain segments and find relevant articles, offers and opportunities by simply clicking directly within the video. England are on the verge of crashing out of the 2023 World Cup after being absolutely walloped by Chris Ilwa's Sri Lanka at the Jinniswami. I'm Yaz Rana and with me today is birthday boy Phil Walker hey. and just finishing marking out his long run, Mark Butcher. Um, Reverse Lap asks, has the white ball revolution revolved too much? Well, they're not out of it just yet. Um <laughs> 4%. 4% chance. I think that is still a bit generous. I, I don't know what I'm sadder about, actually. The end, <laughs> the end of, a, of what has undoubtedly been England's greatest ever um, one-day international era, or the fact that they could still qualify. Because I'm, I'm not sure I could take watching too much more of that. Um, it was possibly the worst defence of a title since uh, Rocky Balboa came up with the head-first defence against Apollo Creed in the, in the Rocky movies. Um he bounced horrendous, back. Horrendous. Yeah, well, at least he swung a few punches back. Well, he's still yeah, good. We happen, really know yeah. that. He, he bounced back. India on Sunday. Um, but that, that's your Dolph Lundgren, definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but England's tapestry of farcical World Cup exits is as rich as anyone else's. But this might be the most spectacular. Uh, can you make sense of that batting performance? It was horrendous. Um, look, got off to the sort of flyer that, that you'd come to expect and kind of settled down into the armchair and watched the first four or five overs and thought, okay, here we go. The, you know, batting first, good call. Um, Johnny and Milan sort of stroking it to all parts and it look, looked as though, okay, we're back in the, back in the old routine again. Um, and then, you know, a, a, a change of pace, really. Angelo Matthews and, and, and spin coming into the attack and suddenly England are completely and utterly all over the place. One of the things that, and, and I flagged this a long, long time ago. The argument around sort of like the hundred and, and the and the fifty over competition being moved um, into a, a very much a sort of an afterthought, a second a second tier tournament was always going to throw up the issue around um, players in the future, in particular, who hardly played any fifty over cricket, knowing the difference or understanding the importance of a one or a two in 50 over cricket, T20 cricket, 100 ball cricket, basically the opposition give you singles. There are gaps all over the place. You hit the ball as hard as you can through those gaps looking for boundaries. As soon as you find yourself in a situation where the opposition is on top on a 50 over game, 50 overs is a game which you can get bowled out in, as we've <laughs> amply proved. Um, suddenly the single, being able to score in, in a low risk fashion becomes incredibly important. See Virat Kohli, for example. See the way that he was able to turn a, 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 a two runs for three wicket deficit into, a, into an easy stroll um, when India beat Australia. They did that by making four or five runs and over, no risk whatsoever, and the opposition had no chance of being able to get in there. Look at the way that South Africa have played in the tournament so far. Yes, all the headlines are grabbed by people like Klaassen and Janssen at the back end of the innings, but it's been built around, you hit the bad balls for four and you nudge and, and you score off the other stuff in a low-risk fashion. That's 50-over cricket, unless you're playing on the flattest of roads. 
Um, and so therefore, with this group of players who should know better because they've played a lot of 50 over cricket have been able to get back into that rhythm. And players in the, in the future, um, you know, the ones who are at the moment on the England radar who will take over from this squad because they're all in 30 plus, none of them will make it to the, to the uh, or none of the ones who played in the game today will make it to the next World Cup. Those players will have no opportunity to, to work their game in a way that, that involves scoring runs, still scoring runs, in a fashion whereby your wicket is not at risk, i.e. trying to slog the ball out of the park. And what happened to England today was the field came in tight, Sri Lanka fielded brilliantly, you've got five men at least inside the circle, and we weren't skillful enough to be able to hit the ball beyond them, run the ball around them, in order to give ourselves an opportunity to keep the scoreboard ticking over. It went from tens to nothing. Mm. Um, and that is there is the skill of 50-over cricket. 50-over batting is revol revolves around that, and then, of course, you have your explosions at the end. And unfortunately, England have not been able to do that. I mean, today was so bad. It really was. And they know it. There's nobody watching that will be able to come up with any excuse for, for players of, of the, that sort of quality and experience to, to play in the way that they did. But it was so, so bad. Mm. Phil, this is a team full of guys who've won two World Cups. Loads of experience, as Mark says, every single player is in their 30s. They've not just got loads of experience. They've got loads of experience of playing cricket in India. So many of them are just out of nick. You asked before we started recording, does that just happen sometimes? And I can't remember a side this good suddenly have its entire batting lineup look out of nick at the same time. It looks like they've almost forgotten how to play ODI cricket. Well, I think you've you might have landed on it right in the, right <laughs> on your final line there. Uh, they are so out of practice, and they've been so complacent in assuming wrongly now because the evidence is overwhelming that one format just bleeds into another that's been emphatically uh, disproved in the last few weeks mark's bang on to talk about the the specific and almost unique components of batting in 50 over cricket 50 over 50 overs is is a long time a long time in modern cricket mm. it's, 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 it's a not, not the way we've been playing no sure <laughs> i mean you know one silver liner on my birthday. It's quarter past three and we're already recording a show that should have gone out about six o'clock. Anyway, um, no, no doubt, no doubt that they have been guilty of, of uh, mis disrespecting, maligning the, the format. And uh, that, that is the, the most glaring problem that I, that I, can, I can envisage. Uh, and again, Mark's right to talk about the the consequences for the next generation because, you know, Stokes, Bairstow, Root, they've played 200 list A games. Um, so you'd think the muscle memory would have kicked in. And perhaps there is an element, going back to your question, of this almost bizarre collective collapse of form and, their, and therefore confidence, um, which is not to excuse, but there's a possible residual reason there. Um, but what it means for the next lot that's the bigger question, right? I just had a look just now. Ollie Pope and Zach Crawley, to pick out two of the best young players, made their, their List A debuts seven years ago and six years ago, respectively. Pope's played 31 games in seven years, and Crawley's played 28 games in six years. Now, that is a, that is a pretty deep... Uh, it's a degradation of responsibility, right? You know... <laughs> And I remember, I remember Pope saying after he'd made a Test match hundred at Port Elizabeth, and I'm saying, so what's what's the next twelve months look? Yeah, easy, easy peasy question. 
And he said, well, I'm desperate to play 50 over white ball cricket, but I'm not able to. And that was his first response. It wasn't about franchises. It wasn't about test match runs. It was about wanting to become the best player he can possibly be. He had any any chance to do so. Mm. Uh, the, The freedom and the liberation that has underscored the test match team seems to have filtered into the the 50 over setup. We'll just keep going harder, lads. Keep going harder. Keep going harder. Well, just as it was an oversimplification in the test team, and if you were to actually speak to McCullum or Stokes about it, they would say, well, hold on, it's actually a lot more nuanced and sophisticated than that. Uh, it seems like there's just been a reversion to those, those baseline mm. statements with this current team. Um, and you end up looking, you lampoon yourself. Mm. You know, just keep keep going harder, boys. Don't leave anything out there. All that sort of nonsense. Uh, the the lack of clarity in how they went about it today, combined with a sort of slapstick horror, and you do you, your heart does sort of go out to them, right? You know, when when everything's going wrong, you still find other things to go wrong on top mm-hmm. of it. It's amazing how it works, right? Two that, run outs, your best your best player just gets sent down the <laughs> river for. We, he, Joe has batted with Johnny Bairstow since they were six years old. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And and still it happens. Still it happens. There's something about Yorkshire and, and, the, and the white line, isn't there? Do they not tell them? Do they not paint them up there? Is it, yeah. is it, is it too costly or something? Yeah, and, and <laughs> you know, the, the Adil Rashid dismissal is, as Atherton said on the TV, bang on, symptomatic, symptomatic mm. of a of a malaise that's run through the through the whole team. Overall, though, at the moment, it remains inexplicable it remains it books will need to be written about this studies will need to be done (laughs) (laughs) because nobody one or two people beforehand said all right mm, an old oldish team one or two injuries stokes struggling with his knee best etc perhaps certain medium paces it was it was a slightly kind of stage squad selection brook wasn't in it so there was some murmurs but no one said no, no one said no. anywhere near this, did they? No, no, I, you know, and 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 I think in this room, trying to talking about your top fours, England were in it. Everyone, not a single person thought they wouldn't make the semi-finals. Winning it would have been. I think I I said I made a huge statement that it would be as big as, you know, us winning. Well, I can't remember what it was. As big as winning something big, mm. um, you know, well, to it, win a World Cup we, in we, India. You said it would be the biggest achievement of this white ball era. Yeah, of this white ball era. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I stand by that. And, and and what's happened since has kind of made it made it seem like a pretty, a pretty you know, <laughs> I wasn't really sticking my neck out. Um, <laughs> but it would be quite something if they did from here. It, it would be quite, you know, this, <laughs> and, and, and as I said, they, they still unbelievably... Um, they still can, but uh, you know, listening to to Mott at the back end there, they've mm. they've they've given it away, haven't they? We're not giving it away, but they just they know they can't they can't raise themselves from this. It was just that today was so pitiful, unfortunately. Mm. And I do and I do feel I do feel for them all because you know that most of these guys, you know, Johnny Besso thirty four, Milan thirty six, Root thirty two, Stokes thirty two, a couple of young'uns, <laughs> um, you know, Bairstow thirty three, Livingston at thirty was the youngest bloke in the team. Mm. Moeen Ali, thirty-six. It's all of their. It's their last hurrah in the white ball in the white ball thing, and and quite a few of them won't make it to the T Twenty World Cup either, even though that's just next year. Mm. So the whole eleven were thirty-something. Yeah, today. every single the one, first yeah. time that's ever happened in a World Cup game, and only the third time that's ever happened in an ODI. Um, Blimey! But did you know that Angelou Matthews was a one still playing international cricket, and B was at the World Cup, <laughs> was still bowling either? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise to see him take the ball. It has to be said. 
And, you know, he bowls five overs for, for nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it's, Sri Lanka played with a sort of, with a desperation that, that belied their position at the bottom of the table. You know, they've qualified as well. I suppose there's one thing as far as Sri Lanka are concerned, and we're talking about the, the, the lead-ups of the competition. They got to the final of the Asia Cup. They had to qualify. So they're kind of, you know, they're, they're, they've played a lot of 50-over cricket. They've not covered themselves in any glory up to this point either. But they played with a sort of desperation and a, and a, and a gleam in their eye that this was kind of last chance saloon. That, that England simply didn't. You know, even even when, when we got them two down for 20, I didn't sense there was this kind of like this enormous... Right, come on! Everyone's surging towards the middle. We, you know, this is our chance. Let's let's do this from here. And you know, that pressure lasted for about an over. I think it was kind of like it was all over. Mm. You know, uh, and then the the partnership um, that you know between the Sankar and Samawik Rama that got them through was as you know was as was as simple as you like. There mm. was just no pushback from England whatsoever. They are cooked. Matthews was so he was parachuted into the squad following the injury to Patherana. Um, that was the first time he had a bowl in ODI cricket since before the pandemic and he took two which which um, tells you that we're, we're talking nonsense you don't have to play the game <laughs> at all. You just, just rock up and I actually thought I thought it was a really canny move from Kusal Mendes to bring on uh, Tick Shana and then Matthews because England obviously in, were enjoying the pace that was coming into the bat and then as you said they went absolutely nowhere uh, and that's been a, a story for the last few weeks against spin and especially spin that kind of Zips off the surface, yeah. you know, flattish spin, front of front of the hand kind of spin. They have been clueless, and they were so collectively out of rhythm that Stokes was even missing kind of easy off the hip for one type shots, and he was looking at himself as baffled as anybody else, right? Yeah, but I guess I guess my question they went nowhere. My question is, I completely get your point about England have have really struggled to rotate the strike even against the spin, but Tikshana bowled fifty deliveries, and there's only one boundary. Sri Lanka lost two early wickets. Rashid came on early and Nisanka, who's not the most aggressive batter in the world, um, launched in for six over mid on, fifth ball of his spell. England, as you just said, have not taken risks against spin this tournament. Other than the Bangladesh game and other briefly against Ravindra in the New Zealand game, England have got stuck repeatedly against spin. This is where I almost see where what Moeen said yesterday about England needing to go harder. Because but, the, but these are the same these are the same players who in the in the cycle up to the last World Cup were the were the were the best scoring against spin in the entire in the entire universe. Hmm. So you can't tell me that suddenly they've had a they've had a big meeting and decided, oh you know what lads, we're not gonna we're not gonna hit the ball for six today when we can. We're just gonna block it instead. That's that can't that's not it. So what do you what do you think's happened? Well, I agree with you they haven't pre- decided pre- to I mean do it. Pre- pressure pressure has come has, has hmm. come upon them. And it's sort of a lack of because that because that that lack of confidence throughout the squad, they're kind of not trusting the fact that it, actually it doesn't matter if I get out because the next guy will come in and, and smash it instead. Mm. Which is what that whole the the whole um, you know the ethos of Owen Morgan was built around was: don't worry about it. You don't have to soak up any pressure because the next guy will come in and he'll go hard. You know, we'll find somebody that can do it. They've realised that none of them are in any nick. So all of a sudden you start you start not wanting to hand it over to the next guy, and then you that's when the skill to be able to rotate the strike mm. comes around. So you don't invite pressure upon yourself or the people coming in behind you. You know that you look back to that for the first game against New Zealand, and that that for me was was kind of if Owen Morgan had still been captain, for example, of the New Zealand game, right? What would they have done in the second game? They would have come out and they'd have, they would have gone harder than they did. And the, their problem, again, the New Zealand game was not that they didn't go hard enough. It was that they kept slogging it up in the air and only got 280 in the end. Mm. On what looked like a flat pitch, they got off to a fabulous start and they kind of, they did what they have always done and it didn't work. 
right? In the old days, that doesn't work. Owen Morgan fronts up with the press and goes, you know, they'll say, oh, well, you know, you, you kind of gave it away there today. You probably should have made 350. You go, yeah. He'd probably say, yeah, we probably should have made 350, um, but, we'll, but we'll go just as hard the next time. There won't be any sort of discernible change. Um, whether or not there has been a, a chat in the dressing room that has made them decide that they're not going to do that, nobody will know and they, they won't tell us. What I will say is, is the decision to win tosses and decide to, decide to bowl first, in, uh, it, you know, they did the right thing today. They did the right thing today. They mm. just played unbelievably badly mm. doing it. Um, but, the, you know, the, those, those things, deciding to put chases upon yourselves when they're very not, not a very good chasing side, has perhaps destroyed confidence in the batting lineup that then translated itself mm. into today. We talked a little bit about how Butler has been transmitting a message of wanting to play this brand of attacking cricket, but his actions don't necessarily radiate that. And today they drop their most attacking batter this tournament so far, just after they've talked about wanting to play this brand of cricket. Were you, were you surprised that, that Brooke didn't play? I was. I don't agree with it. I didn't agree with it uh, at the start. Uh, but I've spoken about Brooke every week for the last four weeks and I keep trying to tell myself that it's it, he's going to become a top player very, very soon in 50-over white ball cricket. But he's, he's only really performed on one day. So it's a, it's a flimsy position that I'm, mm. that I'm in, for sure. I could understand the reasoning to bring in Living, bring back Livingston and Mo. So at least now you've got options you've got well, two the, and a half three three and a half spinners including the only, as well potentially but the, only, the only issue yeah. with that is that, that that you kind of you've left out Livingston in the in the previous game when I ex fully expected him to play right you bring Moeen back in who, who who should be one of your frontline bowlers he's a more experienced and, and probably arguably a better bowler than than Lee and Livingston so they could have just brought in Mo and left left Harry Brook and had and still had the same batting. They didn't which, need to bring Livingston back in, which would have been know. my which would have been my, my selection. <laughs> As I've said all along, if your if if your bowlers are ineffectual, then you may as well recognise that and accept <laughs> yeah. it. If everyone is going between six and a half and seven and a half and over, I take that at the moment. Sure, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Then you look you look for your points of difference and Harry Brook is a game changer at number 5 6 mm. uh, and, and and the only bloke who's looked in any nick right yeah 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 played okay for 20 odd the other night got a good one but obviously made a good 60 and the only one to actually look like he had a clarity of thought in the New Zealand game was just that he, he skewed one up in the air made 25 in 16 balls i'd i'd have picked him here but look you you you're shuffling the the chairs that's on. not why they lost no they yeah, it is not. not but <sighs> Liam, Liam Livingston is an interesting case study, right? And we spoke a lot about him in the build-up to this tournament. And and I said something along the lines of he how he goes will indicate how well England are going to go. But if you look at his story again, he's been selected almost entirely on 20-over cricket form, where his raison d'etre with the bat, and I know it's complicated by what he does with the ball, and I, wouldn't, I don't knock him being in this squad for, for the, the full package, but... He's a, he's a one-dimensional hitter over straight mid-wicket and square leg in 20-over cricket. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it works spectacularly. And he's eminently clippable. You know, he'll stick a ball out of Headingley, and it will, it will appear on Twitter, and so mm. on and so on. Um, but there is no nuance, there's no subtlety, and there's no real batsmanship, or there's scant evidence of that in his story up until now. Now, I know he made the good, seven, good 90 against New Zealand. That was an absolute outlier. Now, this is not entirely his fault because he's hardly played any of it either. You know, he's the mm. face of the hundred. Um, 
So he's coming in, batting in the fulcrum. He's batting in the Dhoni position, right? Yeah. Number yeah. six. Michael Bevan. Bevan. Liam Livingston. Right, yeah. yeah Both exactly. a bit of filthy, and and filthy wrist spin. <laughs> and his shot today drove me potty because I just thought it was... It was it was, I don't want to put words in it because it would be unfair on, on the lad, right? But the shot was not the shot of a number six, right? And it was the shot... With your of, team up the creek. Yeah. yeah. yeah, It was the shot of a player who who understands 20 over cricket and the one-dimensional specific role that he, he occupies in it. Mm. But that is a world away from what was required in, in the here and now. Uh, and his, his record with the bat is... It's impossible to justify his position in the team. Certainly in the top six. In the top eight, perhaps. Top nine. <laughs> but what have you made of England's general attitude towards this World Cup? Less than a year ago, Root decided to play in the ILT20 over an ODI series against Safka, in effect, meaning that he wouldn't play any ODI cricket for 14 months leading up to the New Zealand series. Uh, Moeen Ali and others complained about an ODI series against Australia just after the T20 World Cup, which sort of made sense, but a lot of them then jetted straight off to the um, Abu Dhabi T10 mm. straight after that. What do you what do you make of that from from players who are you know very it's, successful? It's it, well that success is perhaps part of, part of the issue. So is the fact that a lot of the, nearly all of these guys are as long in the tooth as they are. It's, it's a little bit bit like the uh, in the days before remote controls, the, the old man sat on the couch watching something on TV um, that he has no interest in watching because he couldn't be bothered to get up and find the remote. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that type of thing. No, the, the, the bilateral series are too they're too boring. They're too far away. They're too close to other formats whatever the, the rest of it might be. So the players can, can, can take some, um, some flack for, for, for the way that they've treated the, uh, the format. Um, also, you know, the, just the lack, of, the lack of any sort of meaningful 50-over cricket in the, in, the, in, in the part of the summer where you'd, where you'd kind of think it was important for everybody, not just the, the England players. And of course, you know, even if we look at the, you look at the, um, the way that the schedule works, most of those guys wouldn't have played any domestic stuff anyhow. They wouldn't mm. have. Um, but the, the, and I've said this on the pod before, so excuse me, um, listeners, if, if I'm repeating myself, but the sort of hubristic way in which the entire, um, 50 over format has been treated ever since winning it in 2019 leaves you in a position where it would have been an absolute travesty had we, had we managed to defend mm. our title, let alone get to the semifinals. It really would. And, you know, those of us who've been around this sport and played this sport for, for long enough know that you kind of, you, you treat you treat cricket with, with sort of disrespect and disdain at your own peril because mm. it will come back and bite you on the backside. Million percent. I thought there was a sadness today, Phil, in that this is becoming such a feeble end to one of the most watchable English cricket teams ever. They have been not one, so successful, and two, just so fun to watch for a decade. And a lot of these guys won't play ODI cricket again after this tournament. And, and this is such an inappropriate ending for, for, for what they have done. And they've still got another three and a half weeks of it, traveling all over one of the vastest, biggest countries <laughs> in, on, the, on the planet. And this is further evidence that cricket is the cruelest sport by a million miles. It feels like an Ashes tour, doesn't it? It does. It really and, feels and, like an Ashes tour. Yeah. And I asked Butch beforehand, and who's obviously no stranger to a tough Ashes tour, but you, but you, were, going, you were going to play a great cricket team and you were hoping not to get whacked and one year, one tour, you actually did all right and almost got to Perth with the thing still running. But the point is, 
you didn't really expect to get much out of it because you were a slightly and sometimes significantly inferior team to one of the great teams ever. What makes this a deepening mystery the more we talk about it is that there is so little explanation for it. J- Joss, Joss Butler has got out in the same way now, I think, four, four games straight. Yeah. I, but I, it would be devastating if that is the, the vignette, right? If, that, if that's the sort of the motif mm. of the latter stages of his, of his England career because he's cha- he changed the English game. He'll always have that legacy. He's mm. lifted a trophy. He's lifted two trophies. Um, but look, when it's when it's done, it becomes a a, a brutal place to be, right? Yeah. And and mm. I always remember Atherton saying, "But you'd 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 echo this, Mark." And when you it it hits you hard when 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 you when you're over the hill, you can just about keep your keep your footing until you can't, and then you tumble and you tumble fast yeah. to the bottom. Yeah. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it. You're watching know, some great it in, players in real time. Yeah. I mean, look, there is there are certain there are certain aspects to this, and, and I know that having seen a little bit of the um, of the uh, of the huge amounts of confetti coming in on 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 Twitter and other places, refuse to call it X. Um, you know, around sort of the the leadership and all the rest of it. Um, you know, jo- I, th- I think Joss. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure that Joss was the right man to to take over from Owen. Although, again, you could point to that and go, well, well, who else at the time? And, and Owen is an incredibly difficult man to follow in terms of uh, in terms of leadership. It's, it's never it never struck me that it sat sat particularly well on his shoulders. Um, you know, it, he's he's not he's not as bulletproof as say Owen was. You know, Owen not demonstrative in any way, and neither is Joss. But but Owen kind of was is so singular and single minded, and you you never got him to backtrack or anything. There's no way on earth that, uh, that Owen would have turned around at the back end of the game of South Africa and said, "Well, you know what? I think we got selection wrong, and I think we got the toss wrong, and all the rest of it." Go, no, no, we go, we do it again. Well, I forgot the chance. I'd do it a hundred percent the same thing because that he would say that perhaps not believing it, but, but because the message goes to the guys in the dressing room, you know, follow me. These are the calls. I will take it on my shoulders, but this is, this is what we're doing. Um, and so, you know, for me, Joss has been un- unable perhaps to, to sort of raise um, whatever 11s he's been given. And let's face it, they've been, there've been a myriad of players who've had a, have had a go under his, under his tenure to kind of have that same sort of singular vision, that same sort of, um, you know, Terminator style uh, approach to, to, to the format. And I don't think that's him. It's not, it's not in his makeup. Um, and, you know, and perhaps the captaincy is something that, that, will, that will weigh too heavily upon him in order for him to be able to give of his very best as a batter. And we've spoken about that on, on mm. many, many England captains. But, but I think that that is certainly the case here. And so when you, when you try to throw it forward and go, well, okay, well, who, you know, is, is Mott to blame? I have no idea, honestly. I have no idea whether he is to blame because he he has come in halfway through a World Cup cycle with somebody else's team, with a brand new captain, didn't get a chance to work with the last one. I think they overlapped by about a day in, in, in Amsterdam during that, uh, well, it was fateful for me anyway, but that fateful that week in, in, <laughs> in Amsterdam. Um, <laughs> the, uh, and so, so, you know, he hasn't had the chance yet to put any sort of stamp upon, upon an England 11, and he will get the chance to do that very, very shortly. And when we go to um, the West Indies in December, um, I'm expecting that there will be, you know, of the team that played today, perhaps, you know, Livingston, um, that genuinely uh, could be it. That could be it. Livingston, and you know, in terms of the squad, you got Atkinson, Curran, Brooke, Cass, who's now out there. So those guys will be involved, and then it'll be the likes of Jacks, Salt, Crawley, maybe Crawley captained against Ireland. Maybe they're looking. Mm. You know that that would be what I would do. 
I think, you know, Joss, by the time this competition is over, you say, thank you very much. Service has been excellent. We're going to, we'll move on. And maybe if he has the appetite and he wants to be, to be in the team as a player, then England will go, yeah, we'll, we'll take mm. that any day. But I think the time... And you might come, split the captaincies as well it, it, within white ball cricket. He what, might, it, it, and keep him as the T20 yeah. captain? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I mean, again, that, that would all very much depend on, on, on how he is at the end of it. I mean, yeah. you, you mentioned Ashes series. How many, how many captains get seen off by those? And that, mm. this might be the final straw for him as a, as a, as a mm. captain, but maybe not as a player. Um, we will see. But as, as far as Mott is concerned, I, I, would, be, I would be generous and, and be inclined to say, okay, now's your, now's your time. You, you show us who you are and what you want your, your team to be uh, over the next four years and give him the opportunity to do that. Mm. Um, I don't think this has got anything to do with what we've seen this afternoon necessarily. Uh, but I keep going back to Joe's, Joe Root's quotes from that press conference a few days ago. And the more I think about it, the more surprising they, they are, they become. Uh, but he is echoing what is being said elsewhere. And dare I say it, kind of echoing what we've talked about on this this show and where and you get it in the He's media a, big fan. a lot big fan oh yeah naturally <laughs> naturally he loves um, the he loves the whiskey he does love he the loves whiskey, the whiskey. sent me yeah. a message on new year's eve there you go <laughs> um but for him to say well we don't really know what the format's going to look like anyway and if it's got much relevance anymore hmm. for, for england's number three to say that in the middle of a world cup is mildly staggering to me now, that is obviously percolating away in the corners. And the ICC, I think George DeBell, on the, the cricketer, I think he, he ran the story probably elsewhere as well, that the ICC are going to be meeting as soon as this sort of piddling thing is done to find out what's left of the format. Uh, Matthew Hayden in our magazine mentioned it the other day, saying, well, yeah, most of it's irrelevant now anyway. Don't know what's going to happen. Mark Nicholas, last week, MCC Prez, Saying this, thank you. Saying the same thing. Um, well, bilateral series, they're done and dusted. Mm. Forget about that. And that kind of tone can't fail to infiltrate the mindset of not just the players, but the whole culture, the whole culture of English cricket. And so we're left with this peculiar sort of mental state, right? But it's happened of, of before, how, right? How, how do we how do we respond to this when you're you're literally hearing? one of the best players in the team, in the world, telling mm. us, well, we're not really sure what this actually means anymore. Yeah. But England, England Psychically, sort, that's a peculiar thing to have to get your head around. England sort of said this, though, when they were previously not very good at white ball cricket. Graham Swan, when he was in the team, used to say that yeah. as well. And the, then... the, only, the only difference, I think, this time is that, that a lot of other teams, I think, sneakily agree. And, mm. and it's, only be, it's only simply because the landscape looks so different now than it mm. did when uh, when when Swanee was playing and, and talking about it, there weren't any other options, but there are, there are so many other options. I mean, the mm. whole the whole contracts discussion is basically that the only reason that England are doing what they've never done before in offering up three year, two year, multiple year deals is because they're trying to stop people from going off and earning their money doing something else. And so the the spectre of um, of T Twenty cricket, of franchise leagues, hangs heavy over the entire tournament. And and putting England aside for a minute, geez, this this tournament could do with a decent game. I mean, crikey, have we've had what 25, 26, 27 games yet, and not a single good mm. one amongst them. Seen some extraordinary performances, as you would expect in a World Cup. Um, but 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 it's been, geez, it's been a slog to watch. And mm. listen, not complaining, folks. Just what we do for a living, and it, and most people will give their right, left, and and uh, uh, arms or whatever to do so. But my God, it's been it's been hard work. Yeah. 
Um, well, on that note, that's it for part one. In part two, we'll talk about Sri Lanka and answer your questions. We were just getting going. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, as terrible as England were, Sri Lanka were really on it with the ball. Uh, Matthews in tick, Shana gave nothing away. And Kamara is a guy who they got a graphic up on screen. He is genuinely one of the quickest bowlers in the competition. He took three wickets. Um, Sri Lanka were, were excellent and they lost those two early wickets. It could have gone downhill for them and they won at a canter. Yeah, they're a really likeable team. Uh, been saying it for a while. Uh, I love watching Thick Shana bowl. Um, he's got real personality. Uh, um, yeah, and as you say, Kamara is a wholehearted kind of cricketer, as they all are. They're sometimes discarded or disregarded sometimes. Uh, and we're probably guilty of a bit of it as well. Uh, but they've beaten England, I think, four times in a row now in World Cups. I think that not might be five. Since 19, five. Not since 99, I think. That England have... Beaten them at World Cup. Right. Yeah, well, we yeah. Definitely, definitely didn't beat them in 96. No. no. God, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> definitely <laughs> and not. Obviously, they turned England over on their own patch four years ago as well. Yeah. You know. um, yeah. And we, we also have the, the, the marvellous uh, Kusal Mendes run out as well, right? Yeah. So, so it might be symptomatic of England's muddle and, and sadness, but it's also a great bit of cheek, right? Yeah. You know, you, you have to admire it. Uh, again, very, very likable cricket. N- Nisanka is a quality opening bat who's got added a lot more shots in the last 12 months or so than what we saw initially when he came in as a bit of a prodigy. Um, and the number four, whose name, Samarawik Rama. Samarawik Rama, yeah. Near enough. Uh, you know, made 100 last week, batted beautifully and, and took the piss out of England today. Um and any sense of the of a mini wobble was expunged, as Mark said earlier. You know, in a matter of minutes, really, as soon as, as soon as the lad walked it, walked out to bat, they're they're a very uh, easy on the eye cricket team. Mm. They just they just lack a little bit of of that final component, really. And Angelo Matthews aside, actually, very young side, very young team. Yeah, yeah. I could not believe that. I thought he'd be <laughs> maybe in the in the, uh, in the com box or in hospitality. <laughs> No, I, I, saw the the, I saw the wicket go down and I didn't realise it was him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, who's, it? who's this I, lad they've just thrown the ball to? I, I really want to see more 75 mile per hour Dobbers bowl in ODI cricket. You might well do. We keep, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we might well. You might see you a few more Colin de Grandhomes. He was almost the almost the hero of the, the, Lord's, if, the Lord's final. I, I think it makes, you know, Chris Silverwood, obviously ex-England coach, he knows what works against his England side. Well, there's a thing, right? You know, so we've had Jonathan Trott last week Guys who sort of uh, whose whose time around the England team sort of ended in in a fashion that that neither of them would have liked. Jonathan mm. Trott as coach of Afghanistan, and now um, Chris Silverwood as coach of Sri Lanka. I mean, Spoons is going to be absolutely that's a, that's that's going to taste good this evening mm. for him. Is it ever um, <laughs> after the way things ended for him? And, he's done a really um, good job generally, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And Sri Lanka, thing, the thing with Sri Lanka always is and always will be that they are they they've got so many unbelievably talented players there whether it be you know mystery mystery spin whether it be sort of strange um strangely action quick bowlers batters have always been so so graceful so good um and and kind of the the only thing that really hold has, has ever held them back ever since has been kind of like the 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 influx of finance to to the to the bigger teams and and the the, the lack of it for them really mm-hmm. that's it There's, the love of the game is still as strong over there as it ever was 
Um, and they are, you know, they're, they're one of the teams that make the make the sort of the international stage a damn sight richer and, and, mm. and always will be as long as they, they're they still able to compete. Uh, yeah. And they've just shown, you know, they've just shown today that they've got some they've got some fabulous cricket cricketers and, and always produce fabulous cricketers. Great coaching, mm. um, great love for the sport. Uh, and you know, given given a, a fair win, they they'll they could be ba- be back up amongst the, the very best again. Probably not in this World Cup, but at some point. Yeah, and just as an aside, just going back to the the format question, you know, spare a thought for these young players in particular, right? You know, they're not on the on the highest platform of the game. You know, they don't have they don't have the benefit of the fluke of being born in India, for example. They don't have an enormous amount of resources behind their their, their country's cricket. But this is not just a career high. This defines who you are as a cricketer, really. There are some test players in there and they punch above their weight. They were a couple of games away from making the the WTC final. But you can't say to any of these cricketers, well, sorry about 50 over cricket, but it's it's, it's rather out of vogue now. So, Mm. you know, move along, move along. Go and find somewhere else to play. Oh, I bet they can. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But the same applies to, even more so to the Netherlands, for example. You know, try telling these cricketers, Baz the leader, Scott Edwards, these kinds of cricketers, sorry, but, you know, we've had enough of it now. Mm. As if the kind of the, the disdainful attitude that we've, that we've allowed to seep in over here and in other parts of the sort of first world of cricket, the power brokers. Well, think about the impact of this kind of disdain towards the format to the to the the emergent nations, the, the lesser finance nations, the lesser resource nations, uh, because it's, it's, an, it's an ugly stance to take, I think, mm. and, and it disregards and dismisses uh, the significance of it to players like, like, like these Sri Lankans that we mentioned. Well, Sri Lanka now have two wins and face Afghanistan next. So one of those sides will have three wins after six games. So it is just about possible that one of them uh, at least challenges in the final week for a place in the final four. And a reminder, England... How is it just about possible that we're still in it? How? Um, because if England win the next four games, they, which, you know, it's a big if. Yeah. They finish <laughs> on five wins. And uh, there's, a, a, there's a massive game for the tournament on Saturday, Australia, New Zealand. If Australia win that, yeah, it is it's very possible that they could finish on uh, four or five wins. Yeah, um, so it, it is still still just about and, possible. And the way Australia have suddenly kind of roared into into some sort of form, you, no, and, Dave, and, and Dave, the fact that it's New Zealand as well because they don't tend to lose to them very mm. often. That um, could very David well. David Warner's looking good as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every <laughs> time, every time he gets run, I, guess, I, I see your little I, face. People throw it on the floor when he's batting and don't run him out. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah he's, he's, look, he's, he's looking, looking real good. good. He's looking real good. Um, is, is there any theory that anyone can cobble together regarding the, the absence of close games? Or, or is it just weirdness, yeah, cricket ben, being weird again? Ben talked about it quite well yesterday. The, the most compelling argument I've heard is that the attitude to chasing has just changed and that's come from T20 cricket. In the past, it was you hang in there, bat deep. That's kind of gone. There's been quite a few chases of 280 that have been done in 35 overs. That didn't used to happen even four years ago as much. So, um, and also there are just quite a few mismatches in this tournament. Every, you know, you'd like to think that everyone could beat everyone and that sort of still just about applies. But when some team, there are some teams who just can't score 350 and there've been quite a few times where teams batting first have scored 350. Um, Jimbo asks, is this worse than 2015? Probably. Yeah. 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 Because the expectations were pretty low in 2015. Yeah. 
Uh, cool. Next, uh, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony asks: Are teams able to drop out of the World Cup halfway through? <laughs> the answer well, is c- no. Could argue. Could argue that it's happened already. But yeah, true. But, um, and much we'll, like Somerset declaring all those years ago, that's that's not allowed. Mm, mm. The, the Brian Rose game. Mm, Good shout. Um, Will asks: After the World Cup, we have to play a five-match test series away in India as well. Uh, what other sports do you recommend watching in order to pretend cricket doesn't exist? until we're back bullying West Indies on green tops at Trent Bridge next summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's it's going to be the Ben Duckett five-test series. Don't worry about it. He's PSL gonna, will He's going to sweep <laughs> Ashwin with his eyes closed. <laughs> PSL will be on. Don't worry. Yeah. It'll be fine. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, still a good three weeks to go, four weeks to go. Uh, cheers, Phil. Cheers, Butch. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Wisdom uh, Cricket World Cup Daily Podcast powered by Scene. Once again, Scene are our video partners on wisdom.com helping us to deliver a more engaging and immersive viewing experience across mobile, tablet and desktop. Head to the link in the description to find out more about them. Podcast Network.